Welcome in to 11 Personnel. Nick Roush and Adam Luckett here with you. Uh, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I know a lot of folks sharing their Spotify podcasts they're listening to right now. We appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all on the Kentucky Sports Radio YouTube channel where it is popping this time of year. And also appreciate our friends at Port Royal Plants who are proud to present this podcast. They concoct I wouldn't say concoct because it's it's natural, right? Full-spectrum CBD, it's harvested from the earth, and they put it in ways to make you feel better, um, whether it's an Epsom salt bath, whether it's a little body balm, you can rub on your hurt knees, hurt back. Uh, Port Royal Plants, it's Kentucky Proud, full-spectrum CBD. Visit them at portroyalplants.com, a great stocking stuffer this holiday season. Look it. What are you doing with all this free time? <laughs> you know at the end of the week iphone sent you that screen time report oh i blocked that stuff get that out of here I can't. that's gonna be maybe an all-time high this this sunday when i get that uh yeah just a lot of waiting and watching whether it's coaching search venture portal or recruiting all of that stuff right now, and then that's not even getting into the bowl game. But I mean, there's a lot going on right now, and we're 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 playing the waiting game, Nick. It's mm-hmm. it is what it is. It's not we're just waiting on stuff to happen. It seems like we've got an idea of what's going to happen, but we we need it to happen first before we can do anything. Yeah, don't want to put the uh, cart before the horse. Uh, so you know, it's a. Uh... It's exciting. It's uh, a big time for coffee. Actually, I need to go to the store. I, I burned through some chock full of nuts already. So we got to we gotta up the ante at the Roush House. It's a kind of a crazy time at the Roush House because, um, man, feels like I'm back in middle school, right? Where I'm the UK guy getting thrust in the middle of the rivalry. Except back in the day, I was just arguing at the cafeteria table. Well, now... Here I am, Mr. KSR, Kentucky sports blogger, and my cousin Jeff is going to be the next head coach at Louisville. Greg and Brian, they're all coming back home. They, the, the bring Brom home guy. Big day for him. Man, it, it took it took two tries, but third time was the charm. They finally got him home. So it's uh, I'm excited. Uh, I know some folks are just, you know, it's different for everybody, but for me, it's pretty cool he's back it was it was cool back in the day when brian was running uh running things as quarterback i was in middle school jeff was the coach didn't go to you know went to some of the games um still was rushing the field when kentucky beat brian and stevie got loose like come on what am i an animal right um still hold the cats in high regard in those stupid cardinal birds but it is cool to see them uh get back home and you know that whatever you think about their coaching, how good they were at Purdue, how good they can be at Louisville, Louisville football's best runs have been when they're involved, right? Like it's just, that's just is. And they're going to get back to being competitive. There's going to be some juice. And I think most importantly, look it, this city has, it hasn't been fun living here as a Kentucky fan. Cause they just, they're not even fun right now. They're pathetic. They've been dead. This will bring Louisville fans back to life and start pulling some people back to Floyd Street. Yeah, you could. They could have the same four-year run at Satterfield, and there would just be a lot more buzz and excitement around the program. Mm-hmm. There was just there was no, uh, just a much-needed jolt, I think, for that for that school and that program is to just get some excitement 
around it, there was no excitement with Satterfield, really from the beginning. Um, people just never bought in. And they will buy in on Brom, right? You just mentioned he is the yeah. first Louisville's first family. They've had a lot of success there, both as, you know, uh, Brian and Jeff as players and then Jeff as a coach. They also ran him out of town. No one's going to talk about that. Right no. Now. But, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. At the end of the day, Nick, he was he, – he did a good job at Purdue, right? Yeah. But he was, he was 36 and 34 in six years. Mm-hmm. This is not <laughs> – it's not a Nick Saban coming into Louisville. Right, right. There's going to be, now with that said, things are going to be more difficult recruiting the city. Mm-hmm. Getting kids from aspirations, per se, is, might be much more harder now. Uh, Chris especially if Jeff Vaughn played that with, relationship. Yeah, yeah, Chris Vaughn played with uh, Brian. Uh, there you go. Who, the I know, I mean, he sent Rondell to play for Jeff. You know, I mean, so there's, there you go. There's two right there. Yeah. So that that is going to be more difficult. Jeff is going to uh, understand this rivalry more than Satterfield. They're mm-hmm. going to be more ready, I think, for those games at the end of the season. But overall, Jeff Brom has never had to deal with this Kentucky when he, in his previous regimes at Louisville. Right? Nope. So that that that's an element in all of this too, and there are. It's going to be different in the ACC, right? Because their divisions are gone. They're not going to have to play Clemson every year. There's going to be years where probably the schedule really sets up well for them. And for Brom, he's not going to have to face, you know, six top 25 defenses every year because the Big Ten is defensive heavy. Right. But they're going to be in more shootouts because there's more offense in the ACC. And they are going to – it's still a power conference, and there's still going to be ups and downs. Like, Nick, as as gamblers know, we've seen – Purdue teams be really good as dogs and really bad as favorites, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so there's going to be up like I. But for Louisville, it's a good thing because it's just it's just going to build excitement. They're going to get excited, and he's going to play a brand of ball that they want. Pass heavy. They're going to throw the ball around the yard. They're going to score points, and it's going to be a guy that kind of understands the culture of Louisville. He's going to yell at referees, and they're going to get excited about <laughs> about him berating referees and showing his pregame speeches and all that, and he's just a little guy coming home. So there's going to be a lot of excitement around that, but Kentucky's still here. Kentucky's not going anywhere. Mark Stoops just signed this big extension. Mm-hmm. They're still going to be here, and my big point with all of this is they still have to go through Kentucky right now. Kentucky kind of runs this rivalry, kind of has ownership of the state, and they're going to have to knock that off. And overall, to me, it's going to be hard for this state to have two good programs at the same time. I think it just is, just from a player standpoint. It's just going to be hard, I think, for both of these schools to be good at the same time. They never have been. And so seeing how this plays out over the next four or five years, I think it's going to be really interesting. Because Brom's going to be there a while. and like This is their longevity move for Louisville. This this isn't going to be a three-, four-year tenure. Like He could go – he could have a two and ten season mixed in there, Nick, and I don't think he's going to be in any danger of getting fired. Like this is their guy they're riding with, so we'll yeah. see how it all plays out. And it goes back to the what I brought up during rivalry week just two three weeks ago. You know, pendulum swings fast in this rivalry, um, and we we very rarely had uh, one side, both sides, be good at the same time. It's it, 
might, you know, a little six and six, seven and five there here and there. But this game ultimately does a good job of determining if you've had a good season or a bad season. And that's not going to change. Um, what is, I, I, after watching, following closely for as long as he's been coaching, there are, it, it's pretty clear the, I don't want to say the scouting report, but like how they're good versus how they're bad. How they're good is by dialing up some weird plays, turning an average recruit quarterback into something really special, and then getting like, two stud wide receivers and just going to town. Like he doesn't need much to be successful. In fact, recruiting, I would say is his biggest weakness as a coach. I don't know how he's not been able to get a blue chip quarterback ever, but he just has it. Um, Brandon Dowdy might be like one of his, his uh, most prolific passers that he's been able to get. And that was at freaking Western Kentucky at transfer, you know, and at on defense too, it's been an issue. Yeah, yeah. Hire, finding coordinators. I mean, he hired Bob Diaco. They've what been able. Well, they've. He's been able to hide in that in the Big Ten because their offenses are so bad. Um, specifically in that division, it's very run heavy. Right, mm-hmm. if you can stop the run, you're going to be okay. But he's churned through defensive coordinators there. Like, who's he going to hire there? And are they going to be able to stop people? Or are they just going to be like a Wake Forest where their defense is bad every year? And if they get you in a shootout, they can win. But if not you can be in trouble. And so that that's going to be interesting how he handles that because Louisville had one good year on defense under Satterfield, but they've been bad culturally as a defense for five, six years now. Yeah. And then this year they just changed schemes and they got aggressive and they had a bunch of 25 year old dudes playing on their defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to have that moving forward. So how does he fix that? Um, will be his, another thing to monitor. Uh, monitor there because defenses it's not you don't fix those quick um they'll just look at kentucky for an example like that takes time and you got to establish what kind of ball you want to play and you have to recruit to that and then it comes down to can you get the line of scrimmage players if you can't get those you're gonna doesn't matter what scheme you're really running so that's gonna be something you got to figure out but at the end of the day like i'll say i'll say with any little higher they're in the acc man like yeah they're gonna be able to figure out and win games yeah you can get good really quick um if you want to know the early path to victory against uh Brom team, it's uh they take a late lead and then you take a deep shot and their safety <laughs> gets beat deep. They're or, saying, his or secondaries the- just always get beat deep. Yeah, remember the the first Bahamas bowl like it? We were sitting at church, uh right it's Christmas Eve, right? And we're like, Well, this game should be over. We're waiting yeah. for Christmas Eve mass to start, and then they give up a freaking eighty five yard Hail Mary with like a bunch of laterals and stuff. They, it's the kind of stuff he did at either Conference USA or Big Ten. It's all the same. Or make them play four-minute offense where oh, they have to run yeah. the ball when you, they, yeah. when you know they're running it and they, they can't and he can't help himself. He wants to throw the ball incomplete. You know, there's oh. been a lot of situations. I think they almost lost the Nebraska game because of that. Yeah. Um, were, people were really, people were really upset at Iowa because he wouldn't just run the ball, um, which was the weirdest thing about his Purdue tenure is because his teams at WKU did not struggle to run the football, but it which is, they could never get anything going no. there. So that's going to be one thing I'm going to, I'm going to be monitoring him, uh, his offenses moving forward here at Louisville. Can they get that ground game going at all? But, but I mean, Louisville hired a winning power five coach who plays like you take the hometown element out of it. That's a huge hire. Yeah. You got a P five coach. You got one that um, is familiar with 
your program, being an assistant here before, and you got off, one that plays the style of ball you, you want, which is pass heavy. He's going to score a lot of points. It's going to be exciting. It has a, tr- a track record of pulling upsets. So when you play big yeah. teams, he's going to have your team ready. That's, I think, going to really excite the people around there. Yeah, and he's coming off of winning a division, right? Like he just played in a conference championship game. So yeah. uh, I, d- I do want to address something because I know it's the question on everybody's mind. Um, if you all are unfamiliar, yes, uh, we are kin. We are relatives. Our mothers are sisters. Um, and the question I know on everybody's mind is, is this Roush's last podcast? <laughs> and the answer is maybe. I, You know, everybody has a, a, a price. Everybody has a dollar amount. Jeff, if you're watching, if you're listening, name your price, buddy. You can get this guy, all right? You don't need Rocco over there when you can have Roush running your media operations department. So just saying, for the right price, you might be able to get this guy on your side, which I'm sure would just make the the folks on Twitter very happy. <laughs> There'd be some takes that day. There'd be some wild, wild takes that day. But seriously, special advisor to the head coach, $100,000 a year? Sure. Yeah. Sign me up. Like, I'm, I'm good. Take me. <laughs> um. Either way, though, it's 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 going to be an exciting rivalry. Uh, it's going to be a lot more juiced up. Uh, but don't you worry, folks. I don't think Jeff's going to pay me a bunch of money to just wear a Cardinal Bird logo. Uh, although, I, I am going to have to stop tweeting about Jeff and stop betting him every week when we talk about picks. So, get ready for that. Get ready for uh, that. We're gonna. I'm going to miss the Purdue underdog principle. For the sure. hammer down, boiler up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're, I don't know. I don't even know who's going to be on their schedule next year. Their first game of the year is Georgia Tech in the Mercedes Benz. What? They, who they scheduled play, that? Well, they play that one, and they play Indian, or they play Indiana and Indy in the dome up there. Louisville, they're scheduling. I. And then I believe they've got Murray State or somebody in state and Kentucky. That's the non-con. Yeah, yeah. Right there. So is Georgia Tech technically a non-conference game? No, it's a conference game. Okay, okay. But they scratch they scratch divisions. I don't believe they have Clemson on the schedule next year. I think they do. They get Notre, no, they don't get Notre, they get Notre Dame in a year coming up here. Right, right, right. But um, yeah, so I know the folks are, are are buzzing right now in the city of Louisville. This is the biggest win for Louisville fans since Lamar fumbled and then won the Heisman. People forget he did fumble in between Heisman poses. So. Uh, Big yeah. time in the city of Louisville. First, first good moment for Louisville fans in four years. Everything has sucked for them. Now they can kind of puff their chest a little bit. They're going to start pouring Crown Royal all over themselves and uh, shaving, really lining up those beards. Uh, the black and milds are going to be uh, – the smoke's going to be all up in the air. It's a, it's, a, it's a great time to be a Louisville fan. Enjoy it, folks, because you're still going to keep getting dunked on by the cats. Can't wait. Well, we got here – though, because of some unprecedented changes early on in the week, and that's Scott Satterfield leading for Cincinnati. And, Wicket, I think, you know, you you don't want to see Louisville get better, but it's also nice to get your biggest recruiting competition kind of out of the way because Scott Satterfield versus Vince Merrill in Ohio, I think we all know who's going to win that battle. Yeah, I think the big worry here with Cincinnati opening – like, you didn't want Deion Sanders or Brian Hartline there. Somebody that was going to come in and really kind of dominate recruiting. 
you wanted someone that was going to be easy to get head-to-head wins over. Now, we need to be honest about this. Kentucky and their Ohio recruiting operation, they're not going in and getting top 200 type players, recruits, typically. I think the last top 200 recruit they got from Ohio was Lynn Bowden. The same. Was it Oates? Oates might have been close. Yeah, he wasn't ranked that high. He was like okay. around 300. But, like, yeah, Lynn Bowden was the last one, I think, was kind of like up there that high. Alex Safari was the top 250 player, so you could throw him in there. So one in the last four, five classes. Mm-hmm. They're not typically getting top of the line, um, especially with Ryan Day at Ohio State. Ohio State's just taking all of those guys for the most part. But where, where Kentucky can really make some hay is kind of these high three stars to mid three stars um, to kind of supplement their class and fill their class in Ohio. Cincinnati has made that a lot harder the last couple cycles, specifically this one. And so getting that out of the way is going to, I think, help a lot. They're going to have a lot of head-to-heads here uh, with Scott Satterfield and his staff. Historically, they have won those way more than they've lost them when they've gone head-to-head. And from the what I've kind of uncovered this week, the NIL situation at Cincinnati is not great. So you add that in there, that should be favorable matchup for Kentucky. And I think that's important to realize moving forward. And there's going to be a couple guys, I think, in this class that were former Cincinnati commits that could join Kentucky's class. Obviously, Kamari Anderson is visiting an official visit this weekend, just had an in-home. Now, he's not from Cincinnati. He's from Detroit. Right. Uh, but that's in the area Cincinnati was getting into a lot was Detroit. Um, so mm-hmm. if they could get Cincinnati out of there and get back in there, that could help a lot. So uh, I think this is this is a good development. I think for Kentucky's talent acquisition department is to get in there and get more of a foothold in, into southern southern Ohio, uh, central Ohio, and being able to recruit and record some wins. And really, they really miss that this in this 2023 class because usually, Nick, that's where they get momentum early in classes is getting a couple Ohio kids committed, getting a couple mm-hmm. in-state kids committed, and get the ball rolling. They just didn't get that this year, and that really put them in a hole, I think, that they're still trying to climb out of in this class. And we've never been uh, delusional to think that Kentucky would be the number one choice for Ohio kids, right? But the goal is to be number two. Right. And early on, you Vince had a lot of success kind of stepping in front of Michigan State. Um, and to allude to your point, like some of those guys that you would get that don't necessarily jump off the page on signing day but turn into stars – Luke Fortner, one of those dudes, I I mean, just, all right, ho-hum, three-star Ohio lineman, like, put him in there. Now he's this NFL starter. Josh Caddis, I never thought that dude was going to amount to anything. I mean. Carrington Valentine. Yeah, I mean, like, those are those kind of middle of the pack, uh, just mid-three-star. Uh, we'll see if they can develop it in anything. And I think a lot of it has to do with culture fit, the reason why it works. Um, they're able to – they're doing a good job evaluating talent. But the problem is, is Cincinnati went to the college football playoff last year. Yep. So a lot of those similar guys, they were – and they also hired Kerry Combs, who uh, – he was Ohio State's defensive coordinator for a few years, I want to say. Former uh, Cincinnati Colerain coach for years. And if you've ever – I don't, I doubt many of y'all have been to Colerain, but I played some basketball games up there uh, back in the AAU days. And, like, the entire wall is just full of all of their – Forget the name of that conference. Is it the Greater Valley, Ohio Valley Conference or something? It's the uh, uh, GLC, maybe? GCL, I think. Yeah. Greater Cincinnati League or something like that. Yeah. 
I mean, just year after year after year. He was the coach then, and he became Cincinnati's lead recruiter under Fickle. Um, I have not seen any development in that front, but it sounds Satterfield like said it, Yeah, Satterfield, Satterfield said he wants to keep him. Okay. We already talked to him, but we'll He's see. He's brought a lot of his own guys, so hopefully there's friction between Brian Brown <laughs> And Combs or something. To, well, uh, I think that you the can issue, keep him as like an associate, kind of like Vince role, right? Yeah, I think Combs coaches corners, and that's Brian Brown's position. So they might have to do some tinkering with who, who fits where. There, but yeah, that that's oh, that's an important. Here we line. go. What's going on? Breaking news: Will Levis uh, going pro. All right. Um, Need a little breaking. Uh, breaking, breaking news. Ah! <laughs> so, um, let me. Do, 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 do. Um, okay, Tyler's gonna find it for us. But yeah, you want to read it live, Nick? You want to read this? Quote? Sure. I'll I'll go ahead and read it uh, live. Um, let me see here. With most decisions in life, I often think of this motivational quote. Okay. Every great move forward in your life begins with a leap of faith, a step into the unknown. Whatever the risk, that leap of faith, I also remind myself that you only control your attitude and effort from that point forward. All other factors and people are out of your control, but it helps your situations, and those people have your back. If I have one thing to hold in my heart from my time here in Lexington, Kentucky, has had my back and everything ahead of me, wouldn't it be possible the support and encouragement I received along the way? As a Wildcat, I've met lifelong friends, learned from the incredible coaches, built connections, and valuable mentors that will guide me through my journey. Because of Kentucky, I've found belief, confidence in myself that I've not reached beforehand. And most importantly, we won some incredibly memorable ballgames in my college career. It's been a great move forward. Um, and then what else does he say? With that in mind, after much thought, I decided to forego my final college football game, look to that next step, declare for the 2023 NFL Draft. My teammates, UK staff members, Wildcat community, BBN, cannot thank you enough. I'll forever be indebted for all those who had the pleasure to cross paths with me here. My once love for you all remains strong in my heart forever. Love that he's got the uh, Governor's Cup trophy over his head uh, for that graphic. Good reminder. Good reminder. Um, but this is uh, not ex- not unexpected, Adam Luckett. Not unexpected whatsoever. We've been planning all along for Will Levis um, to ultimately skip out on the uh upcoming music city bowl especially when it became announced the music city bowl versus iowa it uh yeah not 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 a whole lot of reason to play and the thing too we the coaches and everybody can always sell it as he's he needed to get healthy he needs time to get healthy um so it's less of an opt-out or you know he's just banged up he's got to have this and that and blah 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 so um uh, I think it's a smart move. Some people aren't going to like it, but there's no reason for him to play in this bowl game against this Iowa football team. My first thought here is they've been – I think they – feels like they've been sitting on this. You don't want to make a decision right yeah. after the year, but he he's had this probably ready to go since I would think, what, let's just say Sunday. I think they wanted to announce the OC um, before this and then just sneak this in after. I'm wondering if maybe that's a sign that the search is going to go more than a few days after this. 
you're thinking it's going to be longer? Yeah. Than we expected. Yeah. Uh, well, typically you want to have a search done in a week, Nick. That's typically how they work. This is going eight days. You know, and we know who the number one ca- candidate is. And there's <laughs> obviously there's some hammering there about how that's going to happen. Uh, so that, that, that's just my that's my first thought. I'm not saying that's true, or I, I even I, I'm not saying I even know anything. It's just that's what that that's the first thing I popped that popped in my head because I thought they wanted to do OC first and then sneak this in behind it. That's how what that would have been my thought on how to do it. What about you? You think that makes sense? Uh, no, that that makes sense to me. Um, you know, part of me is thinking that part of me thinks that it's somewhat coincidental. Like, I think he was always going to wait until after they found out who the bowl game was just to make it look like he was considering. Okay. Yeah, that makes, I guess so. I guess, you that. know, you, you want to have, um, you, you want to have it to where it looked like he was actively considering it. But he never was was going to be playing in this game, so I think it had. I, I, th- this timeline always feels right, and even part of me, some of me is like, we're not going to let Louisville steal all of the news cycle. Levis, go ahead and pop, right? So, yeah. I, 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 um, I, I don't think it's as tied to the offensive coordinator search, but I do like that. That's where your brain went, um, even though. Well, let's before we get let's just like, what is Will Will's legacy here? Like, what will we – I guess I, a lot of it's going to be what he does in the NFL to me. Um, yeah. You go ahead. So, for me, it's the game-winning drive against Iowa and absolutely obliterating Louisville. Um, but – I just – I mean, it's hard to – and it's not all his fault. But we had a – they had hype at the wazoo. And he was the number one player on an offense that could barely score 21 points per game. And so for me, like, did he, what did he, how much did he underachieve maybe? Or how much was it just terrible around him? Right. And I think what only is going to establish that, like, is when it's just not fair is what he does like these next couple of years in the pros. Well, and, and, and it's also what Kentucky does the next couple of years, because part of the reason why Will is a right. big deal is because he was successful right out of the gate from the transfer portal. And you said, okay, now Kentucky has turned over the page. They can have an established passing game, right? They can be proficient uh, in the passing game. And he kind of broke these narratives that you can't be as successful in the passing game at the University of Kentucky. That only works if oh, his next oh, – Or uh, he work. didn't. Or he didn't yeah. because he, <laughs> he came yeah. here and still couldn't – they still couldn't break through. Uh, on offense, uh, it, uh, you know, his second year in, in the so quote unquote system. I mean, it was different. Obviously, you change coordinators, but all I'm saying is, like, I just have a hard, not hard time. He had a productive career here and he did a lot of good. But I do think we need to talk about how it just, if he is a top 15 pick, how in the hell did it, was it this bad? This year, you know, well, in in Rich Scangarello will become the fall guy. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Right. You know, but I 
I do wonder because ahead of this year, we were ranking the top 10 players of the Stoops era. And a lot of folks, myself included, thought, well, if he has a good year, he's definitely going to be on this list. But you can't can't put him there after just one year. And I don't think you can after two years. He, he finishes his career ranked six on UK's all-time passing list. He was uh, uh, rough math here, 17 and eight as a starter. Is that right? 17 and seven, take out the South Carolina game because he did not play in that one. Um, so a better record than most. But all, ultimately, I think his legacy will be determined by if Kentucky can still have some offensive success afterwards because he played a significant role in getting Barry on Brown dinky here. You know, yeah. like that. Those guys are so, here. By kind of association, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, if if this if like this next guy, if it turns out that this was just Rich was that bad, it was a one year blip, then we will really think fondly of Will Levis. Um, but if not, then he'll kind of. I don't want to thank Mike Hartline because he Will is obviously uh, didn't bring baggage with him like Hartline did, but he won't be revered in this. Like he yeah. would be probably a notch below Woodson, Lorenz, and Couch. I agree. Right, like he would be like in that kind of Stephen Johnson territory. I agree. It this year was just, I mean, it was just disappointing, right? And not all like it's not all his fault, but you know, we were just the offense just came woefully short of expectations. But, but here, here's the other thing too: all those quarterbacks that I mentioned that would be you know a tier ahead of him. None of those won as many games as Will did, <laughs> you know. So that's where it's kind of a little, yeah, yeah you know, I mean, yeah. They didn't, yeah. I wouldn't say they didn't play on a team this good, but this offense was just so bad. It it also I, just from a a less critical standpoint, like it, it has been nice just to have a quarterback that's like good enough that we can we can be this harsh of a critic about, you know? What yeah, I, mean? I just. Yeah, I, I'm very interested. Like this, their draft season we're about to get into. Like, is it just going to be two months of crapping on Kentucky? Is Stoops going to catch flack for this, or is just Rich Gangarello just going to have to eat everything? Or are they going to say, you know, it was an NFL system and the other players around him sucked? Uh, you know, are the, is the offensive line just going to get destroyed on with people talking about? this offense online. I just don't know what real direction it's going to go here with Levis because you know, if he's a top 15 pick, like the projections say, or what, what kind of is right now, or even first round, there's going to have to be defending going on to take him because this last year, like just, if you just pull up numbers, it just what, like, why are they not good? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is it, why are they this bad? Why, why could he, you know, why could he only, um, part of being an NFL quarterback is leading your team right and creating stuff and making stuff happen. If you want to be a franchise quarterback, why could he not go create scoring drives for his offense? Like what what all went on there? I just just something to point out, I guess. Yeah, but we're gonna the, get yeah. in. We're gonna get deep into that over these next few months. Right, right, right. But it's just it, like with the whole season, it feels just like Kentucky just left so much meat on the bone. So much because if they have a top forty. Offense, they're playing in at least the Tampa this weekend. Probably, maybe even the Citrus again. You know, mm-hmm. um, they're they got another top twenty-five finish, but they didn't. They had a, one of their worst offenses they ever had. So, with an NFL quarterback, that's why it makes this season was so weird to me. It, it was a bizarre season. It was not 
what we expected. The injury certainly hurt him. I think his offense, the offensive line, is really going to take a lot of the blame for this. But the the, yeah. the thing is, too, though, like it, like I, I saw something about Tepper at Carolina liking Levis, the owner, and if that he's going to get hit a lot at Carolina too, you know. So like that's where. Well, I think it's going to be attractive that he, you know, he did take a lot of hits this year. He only I, he only missed one game in two years at Kentucky. That's yeah. However that's many games people are going to he got, he got sacked a lot in twenty one as well. Yeah, like well, he took and he ran the ball a lot, so he he's shown some durability from that aspect. So yeah, and he's got all these physical traits that people are going to like. Yeah, so somebody I it's hard for me to not see him going in the first round. And so some, somebody's going to take him and mm-hmm. like Kentucky's old offense because of because because he's going to be one of the most popular guys in the draft space going into this year because of the tools and because of all that and especially if he has like a good senior bowl, um, but that's just going to open up for Kentucky to just get over dissected. You know what I'm saying here? Yeah, I mean, yeah. people are going to really be picking at them about their offense and yeah. their structure and this or that. And so I'm just interested to see how that how that plays out and how they kind of battle against that because they are going to get really I think poked and prodded uh, with through this process. Like how was it? How did you not? How are you not better with maybe a talent like that at quarterback? Can I also add too that there there's there's one other take that folks are going to have that I don't think you will, but uh, my good Kentucky roll call partner. Uh, he, he's already had um, that like opting out of bowl games is chicken shit for the lack of a better word. Like where well, it's your team. You got to be there for your team. Uh, Kentucky's done a great job of having a culture that doesn't opt out of bowl games. Thanks to Josh Allen. But here's the thing. Every situation is different. I think it's positionally based particular, but also like this game, right? Um, most notably for me is it's this position. It's playing quarterback and getting beat up a lot. There's a lot more risk than being in the trenches. There just is. When you're kind of a sitting duck back there in the pocket, not to say that it's would not be his fault, but I, I just I'm never gonna blame a guy in his situation to opt out in this scenario. Now, if you're a like if Benny would have opted out with a record on the line, then that would have been kind of weak sauce, right? third round draft pick at best opts out of a bowl game, but being a potential first, second guy off the board, you've been injured all year long. I'm not going to ever think that it's take a shot at him for, for skipping out on the music city bowl against Iowa. Well, I'm just he, you also got your coach. You fired your office coordinator and you got it. They won't, and they won't say who's going to call plays and they got some weird thing tank going on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they're going to play the number one defense in college football, a defense you struggled to block last year. With a much better offensive line, yeah. I mean, I it's like four times in that game. I believe these guys opting out suck. Like it does suck. It it it, it sucks. It's not good for the sport. It it it, just, it does suck. But yes, until they figure out a pay structure for these players, until they make them employees, they, I, I just don't know how you fix it. You know, I, I think the bowl games could try to pay these guys to play, but. At the end of the day, the NFL is just a much stronger sell. Like they're that's what they're trying to get to. It's not they're not trying to get to college football. They're trying to get to the NFL. 
And so I just don't know how you fix that. I think they're, I think you can make the case that Levis should play in this game because he left a lot on the table. It would be another tape against a good defense, a defense he's played well against before, come out and put something together. But, I, I mean, I get it. I mean, Kentucky's already moving on to next season. Iowa's already moving on to next season. Yeah, this, this next few weeks is basically all next season prep, and then they're going to – come back from recruiting and then say, all right, well, we got a football game. Let's get ready for it. And I yeah, think I mean, we've already heard Mar- like Mark Stoops specifically mention it might be hard to get them motivated if we play too early. Yeah. He, I he, thought he, that was, I thought that was interesting that he used that word. And I thought, well, it's probably going to be hard for them to get them motivated at the end of the year too. Quarterback, quarterback is opting out. You've got, you don't know who your offense coordinator is. You're playing the same team again. The fan base is going to be split because you got multiple stuff going on on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And so I am not expecting much from this bowl game. It is very much a throwaway a game. Even more so than the Gator every Bowl. Area. Right. Like, even more so than when they were 4-6 and six after the SEC season. You got Vince Merrill calling plays. At least you had a lot of dudes coming back. Uh, the well, that was – NC State was a top 25 opponent. Mm-hmm. And that game was a throwaway, but you just had a chance to like end the season on a good note, which was a disappointing season. Like this season has already, I think, ended on a good note by getting that win over Louisville. And but maybe it's the same. I, I don't know. But the yeah. the double dip here with Iowa. Yeah, yeah. It's just hard. I, I think it's hard for. I think it's going to be hard for the players to get up for this game. I think it's going to be hard for the, like fans. And for for a multitude of factors here, to really get excited about this about this matchup, Nick, like this is this is going to be a slog going into this bowl game, and I don't like it's just and yeah. Scott Dockerman tweeted about it today. Like this is the ultimate kind of sickos committee game. You're it's mm-hmm. two top twenty defenses and multiple uh, statistical categories going against offenses who rank sub eighty in about every category, and it. On top of that, they're both going to be playing backup quarterbacks who haven't played hardly. Like, Iowa's quarterbacks haven't played at all, and we've seen one – like, Kaya Sharon play one college game right. where where they labored hardcore on offense against, on the, a ba- against a defense that's not – that wasn't very good. First play of the game, too. And so, like, what is that – what does it look like? And then on top of that, Kentucky's got an interim office coordinator situation, and Brian Ferentz is probably working his last game, I would imagine. Yeah. It's just a – like, it's the – it's just well, odd. Like it's not that when they say bowl games are like exhibitions, this is what this feels like. It doesn't even feel like a real game because both these teams are in so much transition. They're just like in the middle of their transition. They're just like let's play a pickup game. See, okay, and here's where th- we're gonna fix it. This is eleven personnel's goal today. We are gonna fix the college football offseason. I wrote about it some today, and now uh, my my the the hamster wheels in my head are burning and turning even more because right now in the month of December. College football has decided we're going to do all of our offseason things at once instead of kind of stretching it along with free agency or like because NBA, NBA offseason is more fun than the regular stuff. This can be fun if we do it correctly. So here is my idea to change all of this. Okay. Right now, you've got signing day, transfer portal, bowl season, coaching carousel. All four are happening at the same time. So here's what we do we give the players, uh, Two weeks off, start the bowl games. 
they all get over with before the college football playoff. Once the ball games are over, transfer portal window opens. It closes January 15th. Let's mm-hmm. say that. And then you have your signing day, national signing day for high school recruits. Let's call it instead of February 4th, let's have it February 15th. You space all of that out, and then you don't rush to have all of this happen at once, right? Where you got to fire your coaches because the coaching carousel is spinning. You don't want to miss out. Like, who's what coaches are going to be left on Louisville's sideline for this bowl game? They're all going to Cincinnati. Like, mm-hmm. they're just you're going to have teams without enough players and staff for some of these bowl games. So we we have to change up the calendar to to make all of this work. Like, what do you think of my my strategy? Nick, I'm for any change because what this is is just it's just ridiculous. There is no reason to have all of this right now happening right now. It's just dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb. Really dumb. And with when a, in a sport that is not fair at all, because one conference has a lot more money than others. Some schools have a lot more resources than others, even in their own conference. You're really putting some of the smaller guys at a disadvantage here because they don't have, just have, don't have the manpower, right, to get all this mm-hmm. stuff done. Um, where they will need more time to like siphon through things. They're not giving them that at all. It's just really silly. And from an exposure standpoint, I think they really hurt themselves. Yeah, college football could really kind of own, not own, but the K could be a really big player throughout the offseason about getting attention instead of just instead of doing everything at once yes yes well and and think about like to the nfl playoffs they're exciting they kind of own that conversation in january you could get a piece of that right during the week you get a piece of that yeah well i mean it could hurt like you know that's when people start getting the college basketball but you got football stuff going on people a lot and, and specifically in hotbeds of this country they're going to get real into that and they eat eat stuff up and instead you're just everybody gets information overloaded right now yeah. it's just too, too much going on yeah it's it's a, it's a lot um and it's led to us to um i don't know what, what else were we going to talk about today <laughs> it felt like there was a lot of uh stuff happening and then you just get one bit of news and then whammy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have lots of stuff happening still in the transfer. So should we go to the transfer portal? Offensive coordinator search? Where should we go next? Like it. Let's do OC search. We've kind of touched on this. Tell me what your thoughts are. Day eight, Nick, of the coaching search here, Wednesday, December 7th. I am not like I'm just waiting for a fr- like I'm I'm not even considered anxiety anything. I think it's Liam Cohen, and if it's not announced Friday or Saturday, I'll start worrying. Um, I, even though you had that deadline, we heard 24 to 48 hours. Ideally, you get these done in a week. I think this was going to have to wait until at least that Thursday night football game in it, for it to happen. Yeah, I think my. Th- Question is like when's the the hard when's out? My, when's my yeah? What, what is Mark Stoops' hard out? 
when does he have to move on here? Because in in a normal year, you could just wait to the NFL season's over, but you can't do that now. If this was five years ago, you could just wait till the Rams play their last game and then hire him. But you cannot do that now. And so that's that's the tough part here. I don't know what that hard out is. And so figuring that out, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I said last week, I would start to question if it's going to happen when we start hearing other names. So we heard another name this week. And so that gives me pause here that it's a slam dunk for Cohen. I think Cohen's probably still the favorite, but I definitely think they're looking at other options right now. That that other option was that we know of was Gino Gadulli, who we put his numbers out this week, Nick. Not great. I mean, it's kind of what we saw last year just from a, a statistical standpoint. They created more explosive plays, but everything else was bad. And so, I mean, I mean, it's his first time calling plays, so you don't want to judge him too hard on that. But, you know, we hear every year Mark Stoops talks about how much interest is in this job and how many good candidates they are, right? And mm-hmm. if that's – if that's one of the top three candidates, I have my doubts on on that. Uh, well, I don't know if it is or not, but that just makes me wonder, like, what is he? What are they looking at here? Uh, and so we'll go from there. But it like Monday was a weird press conference with Stoops. I thought. I don't know if you felt that same vibe. There was just a lot of, you know, he came in saying, well, "You might get catch me off guard." He was. He was really wanting to uh, compliment Craig Skinner. Like, went out of his way to do it about two to three times. Like, felt like he was trying to eat up time so he could get out of there to me. I don't know if you felt the same way. Uh, oh, anytime he got asked about something big picture, he tried to filibuster. Yeah, and then just, obviously, the Iowa stuff, he would well talk about how hard they play and all of that. And, and that's part of the reason why I thought, it felt like Cohen because it's just like, well, I don't want to tip land the inevitable, inevitable kind of thing. Right, right. So I, I'm still firmly like I, I'm not too worried about anything as of just yet. Uh, I will... I'm just in the I'm just in the camp that I think this is really hard to pull off what they're trying to pull off to get him to leave during NFL. It just doesn't happen. These offensive coordinators and coaches they just don't leave like this. Now, it's different because college has changed the rules. And I know the Rams lost an assistant quarterback and coach, and I know they lost a running backs coach, but I think it's a little bit different with Cohen because he is the offensive coordinator and he doesn't probably want to burn a lot of you know bridges here. Mm-hmm. He wants to keep a good name because he, I think he wants to get back in the NFL down the road. And I just think it's... I just think what I think what they're trying to do is just hard. I just really do think it's hard to pull off, and I just I just don't know like what's the what's the deadline here, and then what does it look like if they have to move on? I guess we're going to find that out here over the next three to four days. Because really, um, well, you have the portal is going on, and these. Quarterbacks are going to start making decisions because they want to get in school for spring semester. And if you mess around here and you thought it was going to be one guy and it ends up not being that guy, and then you have to reset your search 
and figure it out, then it becomes a situation like last year where you didn't take your time, where you have to make a decision. Mm-hmm. They're just getting in a, I think, a tricky spot here. And we'll see. Right, how it because you, out. you have pushed your chips in where it's yeah, it's not entirely lean robust, but it kind of has to. It, it is. I mean, they can say what they want, but it is. We don't know any other candidates, and the, well, the search has been going on for eight days. Yeah, in the way that Matt was hinting around, like it would be Brian Brom or Gino Gadouli as other options, and like those aren't realistic options. I mean, Brian's going back to Louisville with Jeff, right? Like it's that, that's going to happen. He's never called plays before anyway either. So like, there's just um, you, you you've kind of put yourself in a tough corner. Yeah. So um, you you got to hope that they can find a way to iron it out. Whatever Mitch Barhart's got to do, he needs to get done because Liam Cohen's been the most successful, I don't want to say only one, but, I mean, the next highest-rated offense of the Mark Stoops era had Len Bowden at quarterback, right? Like They've not been very efficient throughout the Mark Stoops era. That's what they're, they need to fill up the gauntlet. And Last piece well, of the puzzle. Just from a schematic standpoint, I think there was times in the grand era where they were running some really good stuff on offense and adjusting to their personnel. Uh, specifically, mostly in the run game. But with Cohen, I think it was just, they were just doing some really good. They were putting defenses in binds. They were attacking the fit defenses in certain ways. And schematically, they were just as good as I can ever remember them being at Kentucky. And that was with one guy they knew they were going to throw to, and he got him open. Like he gets the ball in his best player's hands, and he creates for him. And that's got, that's a good way to play offense. Um, he's very much from the Mark Whipple tree. And Mark Whipple, he even did it this year at Nebraska with number three. What is number three? Trey Palmer. He he gets a dude and he gets them the ball. And so, like, if Dane Key and Barry Brown are the best players next year, Nick, they're going to get the damn ball. Like, that, no matter how, no matter what it takes, Cohen's going to get them the ball. And good things happen when you get your, ball, your players the ball in their hands. And that's why I think he would be – good again uh, even if they've got some holes that they didn't have the last time but you just can't sit around here and wait you really can't you know you can't they gotta get a quarterback i just don't know what else to say other than that and i I just don't know what happens if if he either says no or they can't come to a contract um, agreement or if he just doesn't want it if it's just not right for him to leave at this time so we'll see yeah Yep, we'll see. That's Mark Stoops' favorite thing, especially when you're asking about injuries. So we will see. Um, elsewhere, the portal's still popping. We've got people coming, going, staying, leaving. Uh, we're up to 10 now. Is that right? I think in my calculation is correct. 10, 10 scholarship or nine scholarship, one walk-on in Rasan Lewis. Uh, I know some folks might have been a little upset at Smoke departure maybe drennan's was more of a well that never worked out uh and john young was another one who thought some people thought well he could probably play here next year but he got passed up this year for one transfer and tayshawn manning probably was going to get passed up for another transfer next year so i can't blame him for going elsewhere did hear that he's been getting some hits out there so he'll find a nice landing spot on his own like it are there any of these names that i don't want to say surprised you but Thought like, huh? You know, maybe they could have used him. I hated to see Chris Lewis go this early because I really thought he could develop into something. 
that was, I think, the biggest one. The rest of all of them have, were expected to me, don't you think? Yeah. Um, it yeah. sounds like they're getting Tanner Bowles. Um, I'm not sure. I thought that commitment might come earlier in the week. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure when he visited or whatnot, so we'll see. I, I get the sense that UK wants all their portal kids to at least come to campus before they, they commit. Well, I get the sense that they want them not to commit right this away. week. Yeah, they want them to weigh a little bit, and they get they like they're very worried about tampering, which I don't know why. Nobody. Which that's what I yeah. Tampering. My rebuttal would be: Who are you worried about? Yeah, who's going to get you in trouble? Yeah, the NCAA is not coming. Is Adderfield going to whine some more about tampering? <laughs> the NCAA is not coming down that chimney. They're not messing with it. They're just letting everybody run amok. Uh, so yeah, I did. That's what that's the sense I get. I mean, I could be wrong on that, but yeah, I, I think you get bowls in here that takes away. Especially if Horsey comes back, any spot, any type of playing time avenue at all, if you're John Young, because then they're going to have a three-man rotation competition at guard between Horsey, Bowles, and Jagger Burton, and you don't, right? You don't really fit in there if you're if you're John Young. So I, that one made sense to me because of that mainly. Yeah, I um, I, I haven't been too heartbroken about any of them. Uh, so far because there is more players in the portal to look at and uh, some of them for me like at the big one it's less about quarterback right now I know we've we've heard the name Graham Mertz and DJ use like there's a lot of quarterbacks and you've got a big board with all of them ready to roll on KentuckySportsRadio.com but for me it's the the offensive lineman and it, it just feels like this year like it that we're not going to have the excuse that there just weren't players being, to take it they're being Smarter and more aggressive, I think, regarding recruiting transfer offensive linemen. I think getting bowls that, that helps a lot. You know, you get an in-state kid back, but these JUCO they're out, they're on two MAC tackles. Nick, yeah, Marcus Cox, Northern Illinois, who I believe is supposed to visit this weekend, I think, and then Savian Washington. Zach Zach Gohagen wrote about KSR got in touch with him. Kent State transfer mammoth right right tackle six eight three forty two. Got offers from Oklahoma State, Minnesota, Purdue, Rutgers, NC State. Right now will be a redshirt junior. Those are two um, guys, and I've had people like ask me why should we get excited about like a lower level offensive tackle. My answer to that is. You're not going to find a potential all-conference player here, right? Nope. Using the portal in general, if you're if you're at, if you're looking for star power to add to your roster, you're going to be very very disappointed. What this is all about is plugging holes and improving your weaknesses. And for these two tackles, let's say you get them, I think it. Are you going to have the, one of the best tackle situations in the SEC? No. But you're going to be in a lot better shape than you were last year. You're going to have quality bodies, and you're going to have competition, and you're going to have multiple players to choose from. Just, you know, like look at Kedron Smith, Ole Miss transfer. Well, and I don't think he was are... great this year. I just think he was solid. And that's just all you needed right there, out there at cornerback. And you were a lot better on defense because of it, because you just had two, I think, very solid cornerbacks. And you 
it's not an obvious weakness. I think the goal is to not make the offensive line an obvious weakness. Yeah. Stats of War, uh, Park, uh, Parker, I can't believe it. I think it's Parker Fleming. Uh, he tweeted out a graphic this oh. morning. Yeah. It was basically, it was like balancing, all right, who has, whose running backs are great after contact and whose lines are great to uh, eliminate contact. Yeah. Kentucky's offensive line was horrible, yards before contact, and Chris Rodriguez in the running game was great at getting yards after contact. Yeah. You need to, you need to have that offensive line graphic. You need to move that toward, more towards the middle, right? Yeah. And on pass protection, you can't. Pass protection, you can In pass protection, let's not be in the hundreds in sack rate. Like, let's get this more to like, – can we get to 70-ish mm-hmm. on both of these metrics? If we do, it's going to help a lot. And I think that's – to do that, You they need to address the depth, I think, on the offensive line, and they need to create some competition here. Well, they, there was no competition in that offensive line room this year. And they need to create some of that this year with guys that can play. And I think, you know, finding some of these tackles, you you can see them against good teams. Like Kent State played three power five teams. Marcus Cox been a two, three-year starter. You can go and find him against good defenses and good good players that played in the NFL. They're, they're some out of the Sun Belt. And both of them, I think, could be quality players potentially for Kentucky. And so that that's really what this is about. It's about finding solid players who can improve your depth and really kind of patch holes that you may have on your team. Well, for me to look at, like, you just look at all the proven uh, players that Kentucky's brought in through the portal. Well, I think a lot. Wandale, obviously. He's an exception. Yeah, like, you're just not. (laughs) That's an exception to the norm. And and quarterbacks in general, too. Like, quarterbacks are also a different beast. They've been doing this for a while. But everywhere else, like, like Jacquez Jones, they were not going to get Jacquez Jones to come to Kentucky until De'Aaron Jackson tears his um, – like, they, they had – Zion Childress wouldn't be here if Vito Tisto doesn't get hurt. Right. Like, they, they had to fill holes, and those guys have been solid in their absence. Uh, the, they got a bunch of quality players. Um, and, and the good news, I think, in in is that Zion Childress was a G5 guy, and they don't they didn't really take G5 guys up until last year out of necessity. The fact that they could find them – and turn them into players was a positive. Now, I think if I was going to have any apprehension, it's that I don't know how many of them were ready day one, and these these tackles need to be ready to cook quickly. Well, that's uh, why it's important to get them in for spring, to see yeah. if they can play or not, right? Yep. Got to get them ready, ready to rock and roll. So uh, that some of those guys will be visiting over the weekend. I don't know exactly who. Um, Ray Davis, I think from Vanderbilt might be one of them, the running back where that's, that'd be one like thousand yard rusher from Vandy. Like, yeah, sign me up. And I want to point out, it sounds like Ray Davis wanted to stay at Vanderbilt, but he couldn't get into one of their grad school programs. Um, and what's nerds, these nerds, these nerd institutions, they're gonna, they're just not, they're not built for this. Nope. And if they're not going to adjust and fix things and make things easier, they're, us all going to crash and burn. And so Kentucky could potentially add a quality player from a team in their own division just because that team doesn't have a grad school program that he could go to. I think – I don't think Ray Davis is a world beater, but I think he really helps your depth at running back, and he's a different type of runner than you have in the room right now, um, which, you know, pile mover, roll grader, fall forward type of guy. Yeah. Using short yardage. 
meat grinder. So I think I think he would help uh, a lot because they don't have that guy right now. And so that that it sounds like Kentucky feels pretty good about potentially adding him. So that would be, I think, a nice pickup for them. Man, I'll, all the people who are crapping on the Music City Bowl right now because a few first-string receivers, they, that's Iowa's problem, all right? You can crap on us everywhere else. We got first-string receivers at Kentucky still, damn it. Um, the we we also have some high school football recruiting visits coming up this weekend. I think there's three or four OVs as of right now. There will probably end up being more. Uh, coaches are on the road recruiting. I saw uh, Jamarion Wilcox like at the the running back target get a nice bump in the rankings. So uh, if Kentucky is able to close how they've kind of traditionally closed, you you get a couple decent sized fish. Kamari Anderson, who we alluded to off the top, the tight end from Cast Tech. Get some decent players in there late, then you can still you can still be fishing in the same waters when it comes to overall team recruiting rankings on signing day. Yeah, this weekend they've got four officials. I think with high school kids playing, as we know right now, Kamari Anderson, Detroit tight end, C.J. Blocker, cornerback from Texas, New Caney, I believe, is the same high school as Zion Childress. That's correct. Utah D. Commit, Chris Collins is getting another good-looking player on campus here. Ramir Stewart, who's a safety up in Philly. Now, I believe, Nick, we're, we, we're recording. I believe Brandon Hillman committed to Notre Dame today. Um, I think so. And so, this is going to look really bad if you committed to Kentucky, and I'm just talking about this. But, that was a guy that they I think they really liked. He was a really good player. They missed out on him, but Ramir Stewart got safety. And then Asa Newsom is a linebacker in Iowa. All those guys, three previous guys, were top 500 players, and Asim Newsom's right outside the top 500. So those are all quality players here. With all these guys have legitimate other P, winning P5 programs after them, and any of these guys would be solid, I think, recruiting wins for Kentucky here. And so they, they they're catching some moment, momentum here. Nick, I crunched the numbers this week. They're still they're an average star rating. They're inside the top 35. That's on par for typically a Mark Stoops class at Kentucky. We've seen some some class classes take take a step up, notably last year, top twenty class. Right. Top twenty five class in twenty twenty. This class is not gonna get top twenty five simply because they're just not in on any top one hundred prospects. But it's gonna end up being a class that's ranked in probably high high thirties, high to mid thirties. And so at the end of the day it all comes down to hitting on your stars, hitting on the higher ranked guys and then hitting on more than they miss on the mid to low three-star type of players. And that's really what this class is going to come down to, um, and we'll see. But I, it, there was a lot of panic here, but it's going to end up being a fine, historically – like it's not going to be a blip on the radar. It's like a, this bad class just went from a ranking standpoint. Um, but it did feel like they didn't take advantage of some of the momentum they had coming off that 10 and three season. Man. Uh, because the last 10 and three we saw that, that parlayed in that 2020 class, Nick, which was well, the best class at the time. And they just didn't do that here. I think that's mm-hmm. the big disappointment. Well, but you saw it happen immediately instead because the 2019. Class, yeah. They closed really strong. Right. You know, like it, it so yeah, if you flip if you flip these two classes, do you just feel 
Right. You feel different. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, and, and it's all because the first Citrus Bowl year, you didn't see it pop until a year later. This Citrus Bowl year, it was like as it was happening, you were mm-hmm. seeing that recruiting bump. So it's a little bit different. You've got the guys on campus now. They received a bunch of freshman All-American honors. Uh, Deion Walker was second team All-SEC, one of just three true freshmen on that list. So uh, it's turned into immediate production. Um, but like you said, it, a lot of it comes down to, all right, but with these middle tier guys, are you going to be able to see them have some success a couple of years down the road? Yeah, it's all going to, you got to develop some of these players, right? Yeah. And you got to find, uh, you have to see something maybe some other college programs aren't seeing uh, with some of these guys. I do think it's interesting here. We're getting some Iowa Kentucky head to head battles. Um, Asa Newsom, who I just mentioned, is from Iowa. Uh, if you know anything about these Iowa guys, that, that state just produces some freak shows at linebacker and safety. Mm-hmm. Maybe they can steal one from the Hawkeyes here and land him um, potentially. And then Eric All is a transfer from Michigan, tight end. Yep. He went to went to high school with Jatah McClain, Fairfield, Ohio. Um, I believe he got an early crystal ball for transfer to Iowa, maybe follow Cade McNamara. Hmm. But we learned from Matt that Kentucky's going to be in on him. And so I'm um, you have to think Vince Merrill's got a relationship there. Maybe they're going to try to close on him. That last year they got Darian Henry Young, who was buddies with Jaton, played little league ball with him in here. And maybe that maybe we see that relationship and something come from that. All was he's six five, two hundred fifty pounds. He had a good year in twenty twenty one, but this year he only played three games before going out with injury. So. That, that's going to be one to watch. You know, you talk about a stack tight end room. You add him to Jordan Dingle and Josh Caddis. That's really something there. Right, um, right, right. And if you're adding another tight end, you can't. I don't see them going to another any type of spread type attack. Right, they're going to want to get in twelve yeah. personnel. And so, just seeing how that all shakes out with the coordinator hire would be interesting. If you when you got when you've recruited hmm. a tight end like they have. You obviously want to take advantage of that. Man, it's just a wild – a lot of stuff happening right now. I'm just seeing that per, Peru's president – not Purdue, Peru, his their president, has staged a coup. He's dissolved Congress and the judiciary, and he will rule by decree instead. Uh, Pedro Castillo was about to be impeached. So, yeah, just all is normal right now in the world. Everybody's cramming their coups in, their coaching carousels, uh, their transfer portals. Uh, Will Levis is sitting out of the Music City Bowl. A lot happening. A lot of news flying fast and furious out the shelves. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us on 11 Personnel. Um, man, we're going to have a lot more, too. This is, this is just another just another day at the grindstone, right? N- nothing. Same old, same old. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's um, not boring right now. It's boring, but it's not boring, <laughs> right? Like we're all just sitting here waiting for stuff to happen, but uh, things are developing. Uh, I'm very interested in this running back coach hire, Nick, because if this isn't an NFL guy, this hire should have already happened. Why is it taking this this long to me? Uh, I thought it was an NFL guy because it's taking so long, but like why, you know, unless he's, unless there's a guy employed somewhere and then after signing day, but if, if they hire somebody this week and it like could have been somebody here in a couple days ago, like why did that take so long? It's just a lot of questions are popping in my head uh, as we yeah. sit here on Wednesday, December seventh. But that's what happens in a coaching search. You just the waiting is the hardest part. 
and you're trying to get information, you don't know what's real or fake or smokescreen or all of that. And then you can kind of parse through it once everything happens, but we got to get to that point first and we're not there yet. It doesn't look like we're super close to being there. We're crawling along, trying to figure this all out as we go. Uh, a lot of moving parts and uh, we'll keep on moving along. Keep on plugging and chugging away. Appreciate y'all listening to this week's edition of Live and Personnel. We'll have more sooner or later. And until then, see ya.